Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Rock is not dead in Xinjiang, China's former capital of rock and roll. Written by Liao Xinzhong. Translated by Ana Padilla Fornieles. Published in the world of Chinese. Read for you by Kaiser Guo. It took me three years of planning before I finally decided to visit Xinjiang, New Township, a city in Henan province that some people jokingly translate as New York. This February, I found out that there was a rock and roll festival in the works for Xinjiang. I was tickled pink when I saw a call for bands from the municipal government. Musicians had to be between 18 and 40 years old. No dinosaurs allowed. That aside, I was curious about another bullet point in the notice. What's rock and roll got to do with boosting employment and the local economy? My motivation to cover the rock and roll scene in Xinjiang came after a video clip I'd once watched. It showed a middle-aged lady rolling up aboard her mobility tricycle just as some band wrapped up a street performance in town. Show's over, Auntie, the musicians said to her. Well, Auntie was not having any of that. She got all pumped and shouted to the applause of the crowds, There's no end, there's only a beginning. Comments from viewers poured in as well. No wonder this is happening in Xinjiang, the city of rock and roll. The whole thing made me recall a trip I once took to Xinjiang in July 2005. I was on my way back from trekking through the Taihang Mountains. That sultry summer night had nothing on the bunch of folks I saw downtown garbed in black leather and carrying their guitars and speakers down the streets. As a tourist from Taiwan, this piqued my curiosity. There are rockers in this small town? What I didn't know was that just a few years ago, in 1998 and 1999, this small town hosted two rock concerts that would go down in history. Later, I got to know a few local musicians here through Song Jie, the guitarist of the famous Beijing-based band Miserable Faith, who was born in Xinjiang. However, I've only been able to pay a visit this year, after the severe floods in Henan in 2021, and then the pandemic in 2022. When music lovers refer to Xinjiang as the city of rock and roll, they're mostly thinking of the two consecutive editions, June 1998 and November 1999, of the so-called China New Music concert that took place there. Take a look at the lineup for both editions. All sorts of bands and singer-songwriters such as Black Panther, The Flowers, Sober, Compass, Zhang Tianshuo, Number 43, Baojia Street, Cobra, Again, Overload, Zero, Tang Dynasty, and of course, Cui Jian, the godfather of Chinese rock. All were the most sought-after bands back then, and no two are alike. These were, arguably, the two most remarkable musical stages that China has had to date. In an era when nobody knew what a music festival was, 
some 30,000 music lovers rushed from all over China to pack the sports center in this anonymous town in northern Henan. Because Xinjiang Sports Center was the home stadium for Henan Jianye FC, also known as Henan FC, a special train service connected soccer fans between Xinjiang and Zhengzhou, the provincial capital. For the concerts, the same courtesy was extended to music lovers. Just imagine some 3,000 rock and roll fans huddled together on a train. Online, an internet user named Shito shares his memories from that trip. I hopped on that train with my buddies as a sophomore from Zhengzhou University. The train was packed with rock and roll fans who slammed down their guitars as soon as they got on. After the concert, their throats were all hoarse. I remember going to the bathroom to find urinals occupied by a line of men with long hair fluttering everywhere. It was pretty unbelievable. On stage, musician Wang Feng rewarded the audience for their overwhelming enthusiasm by changing his song Goodnight Beijing to Goodnight Xinxiang. Gao Qi was also there with his band Overload, touted as the first speed and thrash metal band to come out of the Chinese heavy metal scene. His song Flames of Love set the audience on fire quite literally. The audience pulled out their lighters like glow sticks, with some of the craziest fans burning their clothes. Many still get goosebumps from that memory. The Making of a Musical Legend The China New Music concerts that took place in Xinjiang in 1998 and 1999 dominated the rock and roll scene on the Chinese mainland, tantamount to the live performances at Hong Hom Coliseum in Hong Kong on December 17, 1994. These were unprecedented events that will be hard to replicate in the future, an internet user named Liu Dongbao reminisces. I was a graphic designer, so I made myself a duplicate of the producer's pass so that I could gamble around the venue. I got to witness Tui Jian singing his heart and throat out in order to cover the stage for Tang Dynasty when they didn't show up. I witnessed 30,000 people waving their lighters, some even setting their t-shirts on fire. I witnessed the shock when they changed the lyrics to Greenhouse Girl, writes Liu. And I also witnessed Thin Man going completely mad on stage. Man, does time fly. All of us angsty youths are now old folks. Sun Nan, then a rising musician, was also there, running around the audience with a red flag while singing his song Flaming Flag as an opening act for someone else. But the impatient audience knocked him off stage with a rain of mineral water bottles. I remember some dude behind me shouting, No, Sun Nan! Don't want none of your flaming flag, man. Get the f*** out of here, dude. An internet user, Echo, recalls. The audience threw him so many water bottles that the riot cops had to step in with their anti-riot shields. Plenty of people have written about how sensational both festivals were, but here's the thing. They were not meant to happen in Xinjiang. Zhengzhou was the obvious choice, except the city did not have any appropriate venues. Xinjiang had a sports center, the newest one in China back then. Take the gigs to a bigger city, and it'd have been a run-of-the-mill musical event. However, in this small town in northern Hunan province, you had yourself the stuff of legends. What's more, both editions of the concert proved the viability of this type of performance, which became replicated nationwide and eventually evolved into a full-fledged music festival. It's no exaggeration to say that the concert parachuted into Xinjiang, Celebrities rarely graced the small-town streets, but these star-studded concerts made an immediate splash. 
Rock and roll hit the city like a bomb. Suddenly, rock was playing on every street corner, and everybody was learning music. New bands sprang up like mushrooms. Twenty-five years have passed since those legendary gigs, and here's what truly piqued my curiosity. Is Xinjiang still the city of rock? Live from Neverland It's a 20-minute train ride from Xinjiang to Zhengzhou. I arrived in Xinjiang at 6 o'clock on a Friday night and went straight to a live house named Neverland. That evening, they'd host the yearly edition of Hot Blood College Special, an event giving the stage to student bands in Henan. It has been going on for a decade. This edition would feature six bands on every night over the course of four days. Neverland's owner, Xu Xiaodong, set up his live house in a park that used to be an old flour mill. He was checking tickets at the door when I came in, but later he ran inside to mix drinks and cook noodles. From owner to doorman, chef and bartender, he did it all. He also invited lots of local bands to attend, so they were all drinking by the door when I came in. Tonight's show cost only 10 yuan, unsurprisingly since it was all student bands. You also had to adjust your expectations accordingly. In fact, the kids' classmates made up most of the modestly-sized audience, some 60 people. We had them to thank for the few scattered screams. The scene was already fairly exciting as it was, and then I noticed some of the audience that had brought a few kids to the gig, and you could see the young children running around. Neverland doesn't have a daily performance schedule. Instead, the venue usually operates like a coffee shop during the daytime before switching to bar vibes at night. Booze is cheap, and the atmosphere reminds you of those Japanese TV shows set in some late-night izakaya. Popular bands like Miserable Faith can pull up to 500 people, but for small, unknown outfits, the smallest attendance on record is below a dozen. Xu Xiaodong's real name is Cheng Tao. His alias is a nod to Xudong Focus Audio, an audiovisual store he used to run almost two decades ago. Though I'm actually three years his senior, I called him Big Brother Tao, like everyone else. I asked Brother Tao whether the ticket price was enough to cover costs for the evening, and the answer was immediate. Not at all. The event was meant to be a welcoming, free-of-charge stage for student bands to perform. Later, when others told me that Brother Tao actually often treated the bands to dinner after the gig, it was apparent that he was actually losing money. Plenty more was going on in Xinjiang. The next day was really what I came for, the fourth edition of the New York Rock Music Festival, which took place in front of Powerlong Plaza. Most of the lineup was made up of local bands and student outfits, pumpkins, codburger, cyclops, and more. About 2,000 people flocked to the venue with their tickets, most hailing from local colleges and universities in Xinjiang. Others preferred to just catch the music for free from outside the plaza. In any case, the chatty student bands made it all feel quite provincial. A high-profile, star-studded music festival was happening around the same time in Yuntai Mountain. For those who couldn't score tickets for Yuntai, Xinjiang was the next best option to catch up on the missed fun. The setup of the event and the food stalls right in front of the nearby shopping mall made it so that people just came and went. Parents showed up with their kids, and you could see that some adults were trying hard not to thrash their heads to the music. A dad raised his kid high up on his shoulders as he taught the kid to do the rock and roll sign. 
Tuck in your thumb, otherwise you'll look like Sailor Moon. The first day of the festival saw temperatures in Henan plummet. It was still drizzling on day two, though that didn't dampen the spirits one bit. Then, at about 7.30 at night, the music came to an abrupt halt. The area residents were bothered by the noise and reported the event to local authorities. There were over a dozen universities and colleges in Xinjiang. For the many student bands here, as long as they didn't suck too bad, they would never hurt for fans. This year's edition has been particularly popular because students have been going crazy out of sheer boredom over the last few years of the pandemic. So far this year, Xinjiang has enjoyed five or six music events of various scales, a lot really for a town this size. These days, no opening of a shopping mall in Xinjiang is complete without a live performance by some local band. It's said that at the true heyday of rock and roll in Xinjiang, even a noodle joint would invite a band to play on its opening day to add to the fun. An internet user in their 40s who claims to have been in a rock band two decades ago recalls taking odd gigs like restaurant openings to make ends meet. There they'd perform Douwei's The Higher Being, Kurt Cobain's About a Girl, and Cui Jen's Do It All Over Again. When the shop owner pleaded with them to sing stuff people will understand, we didn't know any, but people gathered around us even if they didn't understand a word, they write. But I faced a different situation on my most recent visit to Xinjiang. Not many young folks seemed to know about the concerts here from the 90s. I even tried to strike up a conversation with a 20-year-old local woman on Tinder. Hey, did you know about those two legendary festivals in your town way back when? You guys used to be the city of rock. She had no clue. Our conversation ended. It's not like much comes up to people's minds if you ask them what's special about Xinjiang. I'd check social media in search of influencers and KOLs spinning Xinjiang on their posts, but found nothing much. Though hiking groups set out daily to the nearby Taihang Mountains, few would associate the mountain range with the city nearby. Whether it's because of the flatness of the central plains or some other reason, the average visitor seems to walk out of Xinjiang with this indifferent, unimpressed look. After all, all the cities on the central plains, crossed by the Beijing-Guangzhou Railway, seem to follow the same pattern, square, unremarkable, and forever sprawling eastward. Xinjiang itself is not big. Pingyuan Road crosses through the entire town, widening from four to eight lanes on its way from Xinjiang Station to Xinjiang East Station. The distance is easily covered in less than half an hour by bike. On my second day there, an auntie riding a three-wheeled electric scooter asked me for directions to the East Railway Station, and I was already confident enough to tell her that it's at the end of Pingyuan Road. On the other hand, the word Pingyuan, flatland, is quite common across Xinjiang. There's Pingyuan Road, Pingyuan Shopping Mall, Pingyuan Park, Pingyuan Museum. This is probably because Xinjiang used to be the capital of the short-lived Pingyuan Province, 1949 to 1952. However, search for musical instrument shops, which also often double as music schools, or music education, and you'll soon realize that such establishments far outnumber those in a similarly sized city. Local kids are often enrolled in music lessons for piano, guitar, and, most notably, drums. Xinjiang also has quite a few restaurants, doubling as music venues, 
though nowadays you'll find these under the more fashionable label of live in English. Song Jie, the miserable faith guitarist, introduced me to two experienced local musicians, Niu Feifei and Yang Baobin. The meeting took place at Yang's instrument shop to the background music of young students beating the drums. Yang and I are the same age, and he belongs to that first generation of Beijing floaters that emerged after the famous Xinjiang festivals. Niu is a few years our junior. He sought his own way to Beijing just as Yang returned. Both reckon the turn of the century proved to be a fruitful period for Chinese rock and roll, while the legendary festivals of Xinjiang and everything that followed kind of just rode the wave. Those two concerts here are made into legends online nowadays, but back then, a musical festival of that scale would have taken over any Chinese city. Yang switched trades for a while before returning to the music field. He now teaches percussion. Both Yang and Niu are considered veteran drummers, whom young bands rely on in emergencies for their ability to immediately step in and vamp up the stage. The youngsters often call them uncle. Moreover, when a local musician gets good enough, they often get snagged by bands from other cities. For this reason, many bands in Xinjiang share the small number of musicians. It's not unusual to see the same five people across six different bands. Yang used to be the drummer for Mad Doctor. Together with New, they both successfully joined the post-punk outfit Muzzy Mum, where Mad Doctor's lead vocalist, Wang Xubo, doubled as the guitarist. Mad Doctor is the most well-known band to come out of Xinjiang, due in no small part to their adaptation of famous Taiwan rocker Wu Bai's White Dove with a saxophone prelude. Meanwhile, most of these local musicians hold conventional jobs. For example, Wang Xubo is an editor of the Xinjiang Daily Newspaper. Though I'd wanted to chat with the band, they happened to be busy recording in Beijing on my visit to Xinjiang. I've heard that the last track of their album is called Neverland, a nod to Brother Tao and his venue. Yang stated that Xinjiang musicians have relied on inspiration and support for the last two decades, inadvertently passing the baton from one generation to the next. Nobody has airs of grandeur here in Xinjiang. There aren't many music lovers here, so we must rely on traditional employment. So there's not as much pressure to make a living here either. So we've got to keep making our own music. Nowadays, New juggles tutoring gigs and teaching kids the ropes of instrumental rock and roll at his academy. Some of his students have grown up now. Our chat didn't last too long. Yang was in a rush to buy groceries before going home to care for his three children. Here you had these two men looking every bit like your average cheerful middle-aged guys from central China, but they've got a totally different vibe in their photos. Later, Yang introduced me to Pumpkins guitarist Zhao Sen. Zhao opened a milk tea shop named Rock Milk Tea in a pedestrianized shopping area, so you can often see him there. When I arrived, I found him boiling a pot of noodles. The milk tea shop decor consists mostly of vinyl and tapes, a mix of European and American peppered with Japanese favorites such as Haruomi Hosono, Maria Takeuchi, Takeo Onuki, Akina Nakamori, and even Eiichi Otaki with his album A Long Vacation. Jolson self-identified as a fan of Japanese city pop. I identified him as my kindred spirit. 
Zhao's folks used to run a pork bone soup shop. After they'd retired, Zhao switched gears to this milk tea shop, which he's now been running for five years. The pork bone soup shop was a favorite gathering spot for local musicians. The milk tea shop somewhat carries the same spirit. A corner of the milk tea shop sports a series of guitars, speakers, and other equipment. When the city's music festival was suspended due to the noise complaint a few days ago, many fans missed out on Pumpkin's performance, so the band retreated to Rock Milk Tea for a small, impromptu live show. It was pretty neat. After all, the musicians had already been paid, said Zhao. Later, we saw Pumpkin's lead vocalist, Du Hong, also coming by for a quick visit after clocking out of his job in the credit department of a local bank. He downed his fair share of beer bottles as he chatted with Jolson until 8 o'clock in the evening when he went out to a street stall on a nearby road to grab a bite for takeaway at the milk tea shop, where he still had some more beer to polish off. I was privy to this dialogue between art creators, some casual food, booze galore, and deep yet abstract chatter that was not above the occasional nonsense. Most of the members of Pumpkins are around 30 years old. All of them were first exposed to music during their middle school years. Playing in bands was a staple for kids their age in 2005. Later came college with different majors for everyone, just as varied as their jobs are. Still, they'd stayed together, playing their music. Drummer Dali had also got into music education, teaching kids their way around drums, while former bassist Zhang Yuha juggled teaching with dentistry. Du Hong readily acknowledged that they have advantages over their rock and roll predecessors. True, their bands never made it far, but they started music schools. As young people learn music, they invariably wanted to start bands themselves. Small Town Rock Zhao Sen recalled hitting Brother Tao's Focus Audio Video Store in his high school years to watch DVDs featuring live performances by European and American bands. He wasn't alone. Xinjiang rockers all flocked there back then. One of them was Mad Doctor's Wang Xubo, then a student from Henan Normal University, majoring in oil painting. A few years later, Focus Audio closed and became Sea Mile Cafe and Bar. Nowadays, half of the facade belongs to a bookstore. The two businesses remain the favorites of local musicians and other cultured folks, along with the bookstore. They've kept the old sign from the Focus Audio Times in there, as well as a whole cabinet full of never-opened DVDs. Upon closing Focus Audio, Brother Tao set his views on opening his own performance venue in Xinjiang. Zhao Sun recalled that Sub-Arc, Neverland's predecessor, opened indeed two years after Pumpkins was founded by Du Hong and his gang. Whereas bands used to struggle on their own, they now had a meeting place, where they could connect with one another, a pattern that would become the norm for Xinjiang bands. I ended up staying in Xinjiang for a week and met again with Brother Tao at Ihung Street over platters of red braised lamb hot pot, a local delicacy that I'd spotted everywhere during my first ever trip to Beijing in 1999. Xinjiang's hot pot takes culinary influences from everywhere in the country, the copper pots of Beijing, a little bit of Sichuan's fiery soup base, Mutton is chopped into small bony pieces that smolder until they melt in your mouth. There's a tangy and thick aroma loaded with strong spices. It's hard to confine to a few descriptive words. 
I might say it's the taste of the Central Plains. Brother Tall rode over on his three-wheeled scooter and mentioned that he'd hardly slept thanks to a pair of customers that hit Neverland last night and downed a dozen drinks until dawn. Then he had to go teach at his school before finally hitting a meeting. As we chatted about my impressions of Xinjiang over the past few days, we finally brought up the two legendary festivals. Brother Tall was more than willing to concede to their greatness. Of course, they were something grand, and also say they remained unmatched. As it turned out, Brother Tall had his own recollections of the festival. He'd wanted to bring his girlfriend, so he sold an entire collection of coins and stamps that he'd amassed since childhood. The money would have covered nine months of living expenses, but Tall blew it all on two of the best seats in the house. His excitement was still palpable, and he mentioned that as the 25th anniversary of the gigs approaches, they are hoping to hold some sort of commemorative event. Man, these festivals were shaping up to be some kind of Chinese woodstock. We live in this era where marketing is everything, and here was Xinjiang missing out on hyping its own extremely touching adult fairy tale. Back to Brother Tao. He found his own definition of success by holding a series of gigs on Xinjiang's network of college and university campuses. He was now hoping to resume these after the pandemic and find youngsters who love rock and roll. Countless student bands have come and gone from Neverland's stage. Small bands stand no chance booking big venues, while big bands hardly ever grace small stages. Venues in major cities are also fairly pricey to book, so it's the stages you find in towns like Xinjiang that allow young bands to earn their wings. Every year before the Lunar New Year, Neverland throws an end-of-year party, inviting local bands as well as Xinjiang-bred musicians returning home for the holidays. Brother Tao has been doing this for 10 years. At this big party, musicians are free to chat and vent the big questions like, have you signed with a label? Is your album out? Different bands from different subgenres and generations gather together like a local rock and roll convention. Xinjiang is much like plenty of other cities in China. Here, you've got the perfect place to live and work at a leisurely pace, juggling the makings of your own family with plenty of other relationships and interests beyond the basic themes of adulthood. It's as comfortable as it is dull. The musicians in Xinjiang didn't realize how unique they were, nor did they deliberately place themselves in the so-called rock scene. They regard their music endeavors as part of their lives. They played their way into history and kept playing until it became a part of their routine. Passing the Baton I happened to come of age during the heyday of rock and roll in China, writes a 36-year-old internet user called Mao, a local who estimates that 8 out of 10 Xinjiang kids of his generation, born in the 1980s, were in a rock band. Playing beside the road was the beginning of our musical journey. Now, even as dads and uncles, we've never given up our love of music. We still play in our band, he writes. University professors, civil servants, owners of drywall companies, even nightclub managers all these people from different walks of life were Xinjiang's rock and roll youths. Those music lovers from yesteryear are now married and running their own careers, but they all believe that kids should learn music and have fun with it. Colleges and universities in Xinjiang team with music enthusiasts and band members who find it easy to rehearse in a town this size, just as kids elsewhere would go to foot baths or belch together at some KTV. Some kids are here to play, others want to learn, and there are 
just happens to be people willing to provide cheap venues for bands to play in. Those who are about to start on their own musical journeys may always rely on the wisdom of those who came before them. In the late 90s, whenever we had school anniversaries or other celebrations, students would organize bands to perform. There were lots of songs we weren't allowed to rehearse, so we chose a song called Love Is True. When we submitted the setlist to the school, they asked us to change the song title to Mother, an internet user called Jen Reminisces. I later married my band's bassist, and he became a baker, so we opened this dessert shop together. Our kid is turning three soon, and I bought him a Roland electronic drum kit as a birthday gift. The last time Xinjiang was touted as the hometown of rock and roll was on the occasion of severe floods in Henan province back in 2021. At the worst of the calamity, Song Jie returned to his hometown to participate in the disaster relief efforts and to rally fellow local musicians into rescue groups. Several memorable group pictures commemorate that moment in time. Back then, many thought that the musicians were just putting on a show. Those people had a change of heart when they finally understood the unique ecosystem of Xinjiang bands. A network of kindred souls growing older together and helping the youth. It doesn't get any cooler now, does it? That night at Neverland, I hailed a cab to my hotel at 1 a.m., as we drove down the central plains late at night, with only the streetlights passing by in a blur, a song played inside the vehicle. Ah, the world's bound to be better. My driver was a 50-year-old guy with salt-and-pepper hair. Do you also listen to Miserable Faith? I asked him, and he replied in a flat voice. Did you just go to Neverland? The cab driver also knew Brother Tao, as well as Sung Jie, who was related to one of his former classmates. The driver added that he, too, had played in a band when he was young. At a red light, he took out his phone to show me a picture depicting some six or seven musicians. You were a guitarist? The light changed, the car started, and I was treated to another spell of silence. That's a bass. <laughs>